All right, take your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians. Now, we're going to be out of our normal place tonight. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 this time. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Whenever you find that, if you wouldn't mind to stand as we read the Word of God tonight. Inside joke. First Thessalonians chapter three, starting in verse number six. <clears throat> but now when Timotheus, that's Timothy, came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. See what's happening is Paul planted the church, you know, not too long before this, and started the church, church was thriving, Paul had to leave, and Paul is writing back to the church saying, I'm thankful that you love me, I love you. There was people slandering Paul, he wasn't sure how that would go. Timothy brought word that they, they were still in good uh, standing that way. We'll talk more about that in a second. Verse 7, therefore, brethren, we were, that's Paul and his team, comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Did you know a true man of God is most excited when those he ministers to is living for the Lord? That is the most exciting thing that can happen if you're, if you're in ministry, that those you're ministering to is living for the Lord, standing fast in the Lord. Verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We'll stop reading there. We're going to preach tonight a message entitled this, How That We Can Thank Our Man of God. How We Can Thank our man of God. Let's pray. We'll look at getting this message. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the Apostle Paul and the labor he put in to that church, that great church in Thessalonica, and how you worked, and they were such an example. And then, Lord, just the love they had for each other and the way that you worked through that. And God, we're thankful for Valley Avenue Baptist Church. We're thankful for the man you brought, and I'm thankful for what you've done through him. And Lord, help us to, in a sense, thank him by living for you. Pray that you bless. Help me as I explain your word, as I preach your word, that you would be glorified. Help us to pay attention and learn from you tonight. Christ, to my pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> and that plaque we gave Pastor Moore said this. A truly great pastor is hard to find, difficult to part with, and impossible to forget. And pastor Moore was truly a great pastor of Valley Avenue Baptist Church. God brought him to Fall City 10 years ago and used him in a mighty, incredible way. And you just look around and you know that. 
There were three members when he came, but he began to develop relationships with people in the city. He led many to the Lord, and now there's a thriving, exciting, growing church, lighthouse in Fall City, Nebraska. Yep. Many of you were led to the Lord by Pastor Moore. You grew and matured as a Christian under his ministry. He's always going to be remembered. He's always going to be a part of what's happening at Valley Avenue, isn't he? Yeah, be, and it'll be continued on through, through the ministry, won't it? But it is difficult to see him go. We, we experienced that on Sunday. It's hard. We're excited for him, to, for him and we're excited for his family. <clears throat> we need to always remember this, though that he did not leave Valley Avenue Baptist Church. That the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit sent him, and we sent him, didn't we? Yep, and he's an extension of Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Yep. It's exciting that we get to be a part of what God does at Western Hills Baptist Church. And, and that ministry is going to begin on Sunday, and we ought to be in prayer about that. We should, and we get to be a part of that. It's exciting. And he, he's, we're always, listen, we will always be a part of his ministry. We will. And he will always be a part of our ministry. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? And so that's all exciting, but it doesn't really change the fact that it is hard not to have him here, isn't it? It's hard not to have his family here. We're going to miss them. We're going to miss their friendship. We're, we're going to miss his preaching. You can still watch live, by the way. We're, I don't know. Brother Tim, we need to get him. All right. We're, we're gonna, we're, we are going to, and are, we are grieving the loss of the fellowship we have with them. And all of that is totally appropriate, totally right. Why? Well, because we love him. He's a great man of God, and the family's awesome, aren't they? Now, we've got to be careful with that. And we can't let our grief turn to anger, or anxiety, or depression, or defeatedness like our church is somehow deficient because they're not here. Those are, all those thoughts are, are where we allow our grief to turn a corner where it's not okay. But the grief itself is appropriate. It's right. It's, it's good. And it's necessary to do that. He was a great pastor of our church. He's our friend. And God used him in a mighty way, and his family in a mighty way. And I want, Brother Chad, why are you saying all this? Well, because the church of Thessalonica was facing that exact same struggle. The Apostle Paul was their pastor. The Apostle Paul started the church at Thessalonica. Paul and Silas showed up on the scene. They showed up and they, they went straight to the synagogue like that was their custom. And, and they preached and they taught and they explained that Jesus was the Messiah that was promised. And, and, and so they showed up and preached the gospel to the Jews and then, and then to the Gentiles. And, and they showed the gospel. They shared the gospel. They developed relationships with the people of the city through teaching at the synagogue, but then just rubbing shoulders with people in town. There's evidence that he even worked a job while he was there, making tents, and he would sell. And, and he, whatever he, he could do to, to, to develop relationships with people, he did that. And why did he do that? Why? So he can get the gospel to him. And he led them to the Lord, and he, he led many to the Lord in Thessalonica. And God used him in a, in a great way. And most likely, everybody that, that Paul is writing to here in this church they were saved under his ministry, probably. And not only did he lead them to the Lord, but he loved them. And he gently taught them. He even used words like, 
as, as, a, as a mother nurses her children, I, I, I taught you and I trained you and, and he helped them to grow in the Lord. And the church was excited. Yep. And they, they quickly caught on to the words that Paul was, was teaching. Paul said they accepted his words as not from men, but as they truly were from God. Yep. Not everybody did that, but they did. And they were full of faith. They were full of love. They were full of joy and hope. They were a lighthouse to that city. Even, even in difficult circumstances and the, the persecution that was brought against Paul and his team, but the church as well, even through all of that, God was doing a great work. Yeah, and they were excited. <clears throat> but through a series of circumstances, Paul and his team had to leave Thessalonica. Now, we're not going to get into all of that. We've done that before. But, but in the end, Paul had to leave. He had to go. And Paul didn't want to go, but he knew it was time to go. He had to go, him and his team. And even though he was away from the church, he still deeply loved the people. You just read for Thessalonians. It's just rich with language that says that they're dear to him, and he thanks God for them, and he loves them, and he longs to see them. He loved them deeply. And the church, listen, the church had left an impression on him, and he had left an impression on the church. You seeing it? And he cared about the church, and he was, he was concerned about them, how they were doing since he left. Right before our passage, verse 5, he says, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. And so he said he could no longer forbear. He needed to know. He couldn't help it anymore. And he sent Timothy. In fact, so much so that when he sent Timothy, he was, he was left all by himself to minister there. I believe in Athens is where he was when he sent Timothy. Uh, Silas had already gone somewhere else, and Timothy was with him. And, but even though it left Paul all by himself, he sent Timothy back because he had to know how they were doing. Yeah, he had to know their faith. He, he sent Timothy to know their faith. He needed to know if they were still strong like they were when he left. He needed to know that what he started there was still going on. He needed to know they were still serving the Lord. And in our passage is when that report comes back to Paul. He sent Timothy. Timothy has come back and reported. And look at verse 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring to see us, as we also did see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. And so Timothy reported that the church was strong in faith and charity. The church was strong in faith and charity. So they're strong in faith. They, they faced crazy deep persecution more than we would know they were they were mocked they're ridiculed there's evidence that some of them even were killed because there were mourning there's mourning happening in chapter four if you remember that was just a few chapter few verses before where we actually are in first thessalonians that some of them had died and they were nervous because paul had taught them some things and paul had warned them about the judgment of god and paul had warned them though that also the rapture was going to happen and they were they were scared they had they didn't understand fully and they thought that the, the ones that had died, probably from persecution, 
we're going to miss the rapture. Because the rapture comes, what's going to happen at the rapture? We're going to be taken out. Us that are alive and remain will be taken out. But somehow they had missed it, or maybe Paul wasn't able to get to it. Paul had to leave earlier than what he wanted, and maybe he didn't teach them all. But, but what's really cool is even those who died will be resurrected at the rapture, won't they? And, and I think it's even in First Thessalonians where he says that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we will be caught up together with them. Why do they have to go first? Because they're six feet under, right? I don't know if that's why, but, but anyway, we'll be caught up together. But anyway, they were, they were persecuted heavily. The, Paul brought the, brought the gospel, but the town was not excited about the gospel. Some were. Some got saved. Some believed, but pretty much it was a love-hate relationship. You either loved it, the message, or you hated it. And that's where they were. And they hated Paul. They, they ran Paul out of town, but, but they didn't only hate Paul. They hated that church. And they were, they were persecuting that church. And, and even through all of that, they remained faithful to God. Amen. It's a blessing. Some of us stopped coming just because we're mad at somebody. They were getting destroyed. They were getting persecuted. They were getting, they were getting beat up physically at times. But they remained faithful. They remained faithful. Yeah, that's awesome. They remained faithful to his word. They remained faithful to, to preach and teach the word even in the face of persecution. So they were strong in faith. But then they were strong in love. In our passages, it's translated charity. It, it, the, the words are synonymous, charity and love. It's, it's the word agape. It's the love of God. It's the, it's the love that, that transcends attachment. It's a love that doesn't ask for anything in return. They had love one for another. The kind of love that God has for us, they had for each other. Well, what kind of love does God have for you? Well, He loves you no matter how dumb we are <laughs> yeah no matter how foolish we are no matter how much we reject him what does God do he loves us and that's the love they had for each other no matter how they treated one another they still loved back and, and when a church member is treating you poorly that's not that's not a reason for you to abdicate your duty to love the other person you see and they had that love one for each, for each other and yeah they sinned against each other but they loved each other anyway and they forgave each other, and they mended relationships, and, and they had that love one for another. You can imagine in the face of persecution and the stress that they were going through, that they would lash out at each other. And You know how it is. When you're struggling, who do you lash out at the most? The ones you love the most. Yeah. And so that was probably happening, but still, they, they loved one another, didn't they? Yeah. They encouraged one another to live for God. They served one another. They loved the lost in their city. The lost. Yeah, the ones that are persecuting them. The lost. They sounded out the gospel even though the lost hated them. Why did the lost hate them? Because they gave the gospel. So what did they do? Well, I'm not going to tell them. They don't want it? Well, fine. No, they just kept doing it. Yeah, not to annoy them, but because the lost need the gospel. Right? They need it. Loving people doesn't mean supporting them even if they're not doing right. Do you know that? Loving people is not supporting them even when they're not doing right. Part of loving people means speaking the truth in love even when they don't want to hear it. And that's what the church of Thessalonica was faithful to do. They did that. And for doing that, they were persecuted, but they just kept doing it. Because they loved the people of Thessalonica. They knew that they needed the gospel. They loved the people there they warned them of the wrath of God. They told them what Christ had done to save them from his wrath. 
They were faithful to preach the gospel because they loved the lost. And they loved Paul. They loved Paul and his team. There were people in the city that were trying to discredit Paul. There were people in the city that were saying things that weren't true about Paul and trying to ruin his reputation and, and, and tear him down that way. But the people of Thessalonica, they loved Paul. They didn't abide the slander. They didn't abide the gossip that was going around about Paul. They knew Paul's character. They loved Paul, and they weren't having it. They loved him. And so Timothy reported that they loved and missed him and his team, just like this team loved and missed the church. Look in verse 6. But now when Timotheus came unto you, uh, unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. So they, they, Timothy brought report back that they were still in good relationship with Paul. And so because of all of that, because of their faith, because of their love, Paul was comforted by the church at Thessalonica. <clears throat> Look at verse 7 and 8. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So when Paul left, here's what happened. He, he, got, he, he had to leave Thessalonica and he went up to Berea, faced persecution there, planted a church in Berea, went up to Athens, was persecuted there, went over to Corinth, was persecuted there. And he faced trial after trial after trial. But he, what he was continuing to do was spread the gospel and spread the gospel and serve the Lord. And, and, but, but Paul, though, during, during all of that uh, trials and tribulations and, and persecution he faced in spreading the gospel was comforted. He was comforted. Why? In the midst of his trials. Why? Because of the faith and the love of the Thessalonican church. Yeah. The trials... The persecution he faced was worth it. Why? Because the people that he ministered to were serving the Lord. If you get into ministry, you're going to find this out. Brother Chad, I'm not called to full-time ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. If you get into ministry, I mean, you start ministering. I mean, you start serving people. And you start investing in lives. And you start loving people. And you start, you start opening yourself up. And you start uh, uh, um, getting yourself set up and vulnerable to, to help somebody and to love somebody and, and to help them grow in the Lord, you're going to make yourself vulnerable along the way. And you're going to be hurt along the way. And, and some people aren't going to like it, but they need it, but they're not going to like it. And when you minister to people, that's going to happen. And you're going to face persecution. You're going to face trials. You're going to face hard times. Pastor said it, if you're at my ordination, there are, in ministry there are really, really high times, but there are also really, really low times. You'll face that. Well, what are the really, really low times? That's what we talked about. When people reject the message, and when they reject the message, usually they're not foolish enough to, to outright say they hate God. What they normally do is attack the messenger, don't they? And you'll be attacked, and you'll be, and you'll be spitting, you'll be, your, your face will be spat in, and you'll be taken advantage of, and you're going to be hurt along the way. And there's going to be really, really high times. What are the really, really high times? When you see those people that you've poured your life in serving God, when you look around and you see faces that are serving the Lord, faces that, that represent souls that if not for your ministry, maybe, would spend eternity in hell, they're not going to be there. Why? Because God used you to reach them. And that's a high time. There's nothing more exciting than that. When you see someone who is saved 
and, and had some struggles along the way, and you're watching them follow the Lord and, and gain victory over things, that's awesome. Those are the high times. When you see people, two people who you love, two people who you're pouring your life into who are mad at each other, but they've, they've humbled themselves and they've reconciled and they're serving God along each other and alongside you, there's nothing better than that. These are the high times. And Paul wrote back, and he wanted to know the faith of Thessalonica, and he was in the middle of some low times there in Corinth when he wrote, but the high times were there too because he, he saw the faith, he saw the work, he saw the labor and the, the life that he poured into the church of Thessalonica was not for nothing. The people there were serving the Lord, and that is incredible. And that, that comforted Paul, didn't it? That rejuvenated Paul. That got him excited about the ministry. Now, you need to be excited about the ministry, whether or not people are doing right. And sometimes we feel like Elijah, and he was whining, saying, Oh, nobody is serving God but me. You know, and then God said, "Oh, stop your whining. There's, I've got, I've got my people." And He explained, and He wasn't alone. But sometimes we feel that way, don't we? But we get a little pity party. But, but it is helpful though when we see that our work is not in vain. Helpful to see it, to see it. And that's what the church at Thessalonica did for Paul. He was comforted, but he was also thankful. Look at verse nine. For what thanks can we render to God again? you. He was full of joy. You continue reading for all the joy wherewith we joy. Why? For your sakes. And we're watching. I'm, me and my team, Paul says, me and, and Timothy and Silas, we're watching and we're seeing your faith. And, and really, we're hearing about your faith. If you go back to chapter one, we're not going to do that tonight, but, but their, their faith was, their reputation was spreading and they were, the gospel was sounding out. And, and Paul and, and Silas and Timothy are witnessing this church that they started doing the work and it left Paul comforted, it left Paul thankful, and it left, left Paul full of joy. Because that's, that's the heart of the man of God, isn't it? That's the heart of the man of God. And the best way, listen to me, the best way that Valley Avenue Baptist Church can thank Pastor Moore where all that he has done is to do this, to stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. What a man of God wants more than anything else in life is to see those he ministers to, to live for God. That's what they want more than anything else. And nothing would say thank you for all he has done than staying faithful even when things get hard. Pastor and his family is, have poured their lives into many of you. <clears throat> They've developed lasting, loving relationships with you. They, they gave you the gospel. They taught you the word of God. They faced a lot of difficult and low times along the way. And they did all of that. Why? And they carried all those burdens. Why? And they labored in the ministry here. Why? Because what they desire is for you to glorify God with your life. That's what they want all they want. I'm glad we gave them gifts when they left. I was special, thankful, and I know that they appreciated it, but what will mean most to them is that when, when they come back to visit, and they will come back to visit, if the Lord tarries, right, what will mean most to them is that when they come back and step foot in this church, 
whenever that is, that they see your face and they see you faithful and they see you not just faithful but on fire and serving the Lord, that'll do no, that, there's nothing more that will bless them than that. There's no better way that we could thank them. And obviously we don't do it for them. They don't want that either. But they would be thankful. Just because they're not pastoring here anymore, listen, just because they're not pastoring here anymore doesn't mean that they're not going to have hard and difficult times ahead of them. Paul didn't leave his trials in Thessalonica. And Paul didn't leave Thessalonica to escape problems. He went from one problem to the next, and the next, and the next. Pastor Moore didn't didn't hightail out of here because there were problems. He's heading to more struggles, isn't he? Just like Paul continued to face trials as he moved on and ministered in other cities, Pastor Moore will continue to face difficult times along the way as he begins that pastorate there in Glendale. And what's our role to play? Okay, Brother Chad, why are you telling us all about that? Why? Well, because we can be a help to him. Nothing, listen, nothing will bring him more comfort and his family more comfort and joy and thankfulness as they're serving in Arizona than to watch the church that they poured their life in for 10 years to be strong in the faith and to be strong in love and to continue to be a lighthouse to this community and to glorify God. That's what it's all about. What it's all about, isn't it? And say this, nothing should get you more excited. Hey, nothing in this world should get you more excited than watching others glorify God. That should be the most exciting thing in your whole life, even more than the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl is dumb anyway. The Giants weren't in it, but anyway. <clears throat> but nothing should be <laughs> nothing should be more exciting to you than watching people live for God. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. That's why we invest in the lost, isn't it? Why? So that we can hear, so that we can get them the gospel, and they can have their sins forgiven. And they can be reconciled to God. And they can glorify God in their lives. And they can glorify God when? In, in their eternal life. That's, what we're, that's why we do that. When someone walks the aisle, listen, if some, when someone walks the aisle and gets saved, there should be nothing more in your life that's more exciting than that. Yeah. That's why we invest in each other. Why? So that we can encourage one another. Help each other glorify God in our lives. We should be excited when we see one of our church family members getting on fire for God. We should be excited about that. There should be nothing more exciting than that. Oh, look at that guy. He's, he'll burn out eventually. <laughs> I hope that's not your attitude. No, we need to be excited when our, when our church family's on fire. That's why we have a burden for those who aren't living for God. Not that we're ashamed of them, not that we're mad at them, or think we're better than them, but we love them. And we're burdened for them. Why? Because we want to see them glorify God with their lives. And we should be excited when we watch people get right with God. We should be excited when we watch people that have come back and want to serve the Lord again. Not not degrade them, not say, okay, well, when is this going to be over? No, sir, not at all. We need to be excited like the father at the prodigal son returned. Kill the fatted calf. Let's bring him back in the fold. Let's let them serve and glorify God with their life. That is what it's all about. That's why we want to forgive someone who's offended us. Why? Well, because we know that if there's a conflict between us and another brother in Christ, that our relationship is not bringing glory to God. And we want to make that right. Why? So that God will be glorified by us. 
And we should be excited when we're able to get right with a brother or sister in Christ. That's why we come to church. I'm glad we get to be with our friends, have a good time. I'm glad we get to sing and enjoy the music. But the main reason we come to church is to glorify God together as a church family. That's why we come. We do that how? Well, by serving one another. We do that by singing out for His glory. We do that by listening to and responding to the Word of God as it's preached and make changes in our life so that our individual life can bring glory to God. It's all about Him. It's all about bringing glory to Him. So let's stay, let's stay strong in the faith. Let's stay strong in love. Let's continue to reach out and be a lighthouse for the gospel in Falls City. Why? Because God deserves glory. Yeah. I want to read something to you. Go to Psalm 96. And we'll be done. Psalm 96. Are we there? Say amen. <clears throat> there are a few pages. This is important. I want us to look at this. Psalm 96, he says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord. Who? All the earth. You know God's interested in our praise? Whose praise? All the earth. Are you in the earth? I think yes. God wants us to praise him. When we sing, sing out with your heart. Who cares if you have a bad voice? Me too. Just sing out together, right? Why? Because God deserves it. Verse 2, sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. What does that mean? That means tell others about him. Tell others about what he's done. Verse 3, declare his glory among who? The heathen. That's the lost. His wonders among all people. Why? For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. Listen to this. But the Lord made the heavens. Hey, God's the one who did this. God's the one who created all this. God's the one who made you. God's the one who made this entire universe. God's the one who made every person you see. When you see a person, you can know this. God made them. He is the one who made the heavens. He is the one that deserves glory. He's the one that deserves praise. But here's the problem, is so many people are giving glory to everything else. And there are other gods who are vying for the attention. Yeah, there's other religions out there. Yeah, there's Buddha and Allah. But there's also other gods out there who are vying for the attention, vying for the glory, vying for the praise. And the only one who deserves it is God. Hey, we can have a lot of things we like. But we can only have one thing in our life that deserves worship and deserves honor and deserves glory, and deserves first place in our life, and that's God. He deserves first place. Why? For He is great, and greatly to be praised. He's the one who made the heavens. Yeah, no, but I got something else. No, he is, He's the one who made the heavens. Right? And so He deserves glory from us. But He doesn't just deserve glory from us, does He? He deserves glory from all people. We need to love people. We need to love God. We need to, we need to 
just means to invite people to him. You tell them, show forth his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen. Why? Because God is great. Because God deserves it. Why do we why do we why are we so fired up about the gospel around here? Why do we talk about Jesus and what he did on the cross? Why? Well, because we love people. And we don't want them to we don't want to see them spend eternity in hell forever. Hell is real. God's judgment is real. Uh, if people die without their sins forgiven, they will wake up in hell and be there for all eternity. That should stir us up. If, if the rapture happened today, God's judgment will pour on this earth for seven years. That should stir us up. You know what should stir us up even more than that? God deserves it. God deserves glory from that person. See that? That should stir us up. Hey, I'm not saying we shouldn't care about people's souls in eternity. We need to. That needs to fire us up. But what should fire us up, maybe even more than that, is that he is great. He is greatly to be praised. He's the one who made the heavens. All the, all the gods of the nations are idols. God deserves glory. It's all about him, isn't it? And there should be nothing more exciting to you than to watch somebody glorify God with their life. Nothing more exciting to Pastor Moore than to watch Valley Avenue Baptist Church, who he's poured his life into, glorify God with their life. There would be nothing more exciting for the Apostle Paul than to watch Valley Avenue Baptist Church glorify God with their life. There should be nothing more exciting to us than to watch Valley Avenue Baptist Church live for God and glorify God. Let's focus on that. Let's not focus on all the ones who aren't. Let's be burdened for them. But let's get excited that God is working. And let's, let's get involved with that. Let's be a part of that. And let's reach people for him. Why? That's what it's all about. God deserves it. God, thank you so much. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you, Lord, for being the one who created the heavens. Lord, you spoke this universe into existence. You created each and every one of us. You formed us. We were, we were fearfully and wonderfully made by you. You love us. You have a plan for us. You provide for us. You care for us. You love us. And Lord, we rejected you. But Lord, you love us still. You sent your son. You became a man. You died for us. Help us to really take that to heart tonight. Help us to allow that to affect us. Help us to allow that to stir our hearts to give you glory. And then help us to have a burden, Lord, that those in our life would also bring you glory. Why? Because we deserve it. You're good. You're, you're great. You're greatly to be praised. Help us to do that in our life. Help us to point others that way. Help us be excited about that. Lord, we love you. In Christ, I pray. Amen. Stand together. Amen.